Hey everybody, this is Sam and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, sexual and personal development tips. A podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationship. So today I have a very special guest. As always, all my guests are special. I'm especially excited for this conversation because I've been following this person's work for a very long time now and I've been hearing a lot of positive feedback from people in the space and in the industry of uh, public speaking and personal development. And this person is Miroslav Petrovic, and he is a TEDx speaker, teacher, and facilitator who has worked with over 5,000 people across the world, supporting them to bring their message to the world. He is the founder of the Enlivened Speaking Institute, where he teaches speakers how to go beyond didactic delivery to deliver their message in a powerful, embodied way that is enlivening and engaging for audiences. Additionally, he has trained multinational companies and executives with workplace culture and leadership. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the DFAN. Thank you so much for being on my show. Pleasure being here, Sam. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really want to start off with like where you began on your journey. Like what got you into this field? <laughs> um, probably my own woundings, you could say, feeling very uh, stuck in my own social expression and not even knowing it. I probably had social anxiety and depression and, you know, um, I'd say without going too deep into the story at this stage, um, one thing led to another, but I started with meditation. As I started meditating, I was like, this feels pretty good. That led to me asking myself this question of how do I experience this without having my eyes closed? Um, and the answer that started coming from all sides very quickly was you need to start teaching. And that led from, you know, teaching to facilitating, to speaking, to that's a kind of a combination of all three of those things. Yeah, wow. It's like I've, I hear this a lot with actually a lot of the people I bring on to the podcast. It's a very like personal experience that leads us down this path because, I mean, that's an embodied approach, which I really love that you teach as well. So um, tell me a little bit about what the Enlivened Speaking Institute is. Like what what is that about? 5,000 people across the world is a lot, you know. It's a lot of people. Yeah, that number hasn't been updated either. Um, but you know, we were chatting just before this and you mentioned this word relationship. And for me, what underpins my work is relationship. And probably what changes it a lot from what's come before me is relationship. It's like in the speaking industry, predominantly, it was very much about appearing confident and polished, which is great. And it makes the person on stage look good, but there was very little work with actual relationship. I mean, I've had speaking coaches earlier on say to me you know you need to say this thing and then count to three in your head before you go on to the next thing and that's great but you would never do that with a friend you don't say a thing and then count to three and the reason you don't do it is because is, is because it's alienating it's like it does not breed connection and authentic relationship it breeds performance and not even good mm -hmm. performance like so for me in live and speaking is really working with how do we cultivate relationship and how do we cultivate a relationship one-to-many that's authentic and life-giving, not just watching someone speak? And for me, it's like when you start moving into it from that place, what grows is a completely different organism. It's like the speaker has something to offer. The audience wants to hear it. But in the meeting of those two things, it's like uh, life can be created. And by life, I mean engagement and 
genuine intrigue and ideas and creativity and all these beautiful things we we all yearn for what i'm hearing is like there's an authentic way of communicating and expressing ourselves especially when it comes to like with public speaking being one of them and allowing people to see our true essence rather than like what you just said that performance style like counting one two three i probably should do that <laughs> but also like it doesn't it doesn't feel natural you're right like to sit there and just be pausing and calculating and thinking i'm like i as somebody who lives in their head as often as i have in the past like to to learn that strategy on public speaking would just be would be so disconnecting so like did you tell me about tedx because that's a huge achievement like to to go on that and the 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 talks that they um curate tedx is just incredible like it's every single tedx most of them i'm not going to say every single one but most of them that i've watched i've been engaged i've felt really connected to the speaker so what mm. was your experience like with that uh what what then do you want me to speak to like what's of most interest to you i'd love to hear about your experience of being on like how did you get on first of all and then what was it like speaking in the audience to the audience and what process did you go to go through from the how you got on to the actual doing so there's three mm, questions yeah. in one <laughs> yeah this is good if i miss any of them just remind me um as for how i got on i had a company that helped me so they specialized in um the application process so that was the, basically their business model. There's like a lot of people want TED Talks. We know how to write applications. And they were like the middleman that helped me out with that. Um, the actual experience, I was like, it was different primarily because up until then, my focus was always the people in the room. And speaking at a TEDx audience, like the people in the room don't, like they matter, but they don't matter as much as the, you know, 10,000 people are going to see it online. Like you're in-person audience might be 30, 40, 50, two, 300 people, but the on-flow effect of who sees that is, is much bigger. So it was like this experience of like, yes, I'm engaging and connecting with these people and I have to keep it real. So I'm having an authentic experience, but I also have to make this relatable to everyone that's going to watch it afterwards that, that wasn't in the room. So that was, it was fun. And there's something about the TED model, which I really appreciate that, because you only have, you know, used to be 20 minutes. Now I think it's 18. Now they even did like 16 and 14 minutes versions of it. It really forces you to knuckle down on your content and to look at what you're sharing for yourself and what you're sharing for your audience. And you, you don't have like, Ted isn't about sharing for yourself. And it's like, oh, these, these stories I've had in here, they're not actually relevant. You know, I can deliver the message without them. So it was quite a beautiful like process of just letting go of bits that didn't need to be in there, which I appreciated. Um, afterwards, when I first watched my TEDx talk, I was like, this is rubbish. Like what happened to the recording? They had like professional gear in there and the video was like, to, to give you an idea, I almost cried. That, that's how, how disappointed I was when I first saw it. And that lasted for about, you know, about a minute or so, my partner at the time was with me and she was kind of holding me and she's like, babe, it's okay. And as I started watching, I was like, it really hit me. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect that it's not perfect. It's mm. perfect that this, that me watching my own talk 
he's giving me goosebumps and afterwards like hearing my own story made me cry i was like the actual quality of the audio and the video isn't interfering with that on a logical level i did want it to be more polished but i'm like i can't actually control this and i have friends that are in film because i used to be in film and photography one of them actually messaged me he's like you can't have this up there you got to get it off and this was within you know the first period of it being launched and me still being quite um well, open about the whole experience. And as it went on, I was like, no, this is perfect. I'm like, for the career I'm in, I'm very okay with this being out there. I'm very okay with it not being perfect. And now I know the process if I want to go back and get a second one. And mm -hmm. there's, there's even a sense like the, the topic which I shared is very dear to my heart, but I was like, this isn't what I'm going to be paving the next 10 years of my life with. It's very much in the speaking communication domain. Yeah. Wow. What was the topic? Um, it was using fear as a gateway for personal and spiritual evolution, basically using fear for personal development. Yeah, cool. Okay. And so what an experience going through, like, speaking about it and then going through it on the other end, you know, I mean, I, I, I haven't watched the TED Talk, which is something that I should have probably done before jumping on this podcast with you. But um. Yeah, I really want to watch it now because hearing what you're saying about the fear, I'm wondering if like that kind of translated to your experience after it launching and any fear coming up around it not being polished, etc. Like the what is it like a um the irony with that weird and ironic experience. <laughs> um so yeah, so then in terms of the actual speaking part, because it's can what was it like my projection is that it's confronting there's a lot of people there's a lot of pressure you've got the potential of tens of thousands of people to watch it online all of that happening how do you prepare yourself for that oh god it's like every moment of your life i think prepares you for it um like i realized for me being authentic on stage and what i teach my students is like the stage is just an intense mirror for the rest of your life and if you're lying to yourself in your life and you want to be authentic on stage, like it's just not going to happen. The stage is going to eat you apart. You're going to have to hide all the stuff you're suppressing in your life. And the pathway to like being more present to being more of ourselves on stage is owning that with everything we're doing in our life. I had, um, I had a woman that asked me to, to coach her a few years ago and I came along and watched what she did. And then I gave her a bit of a write up and some feedback. I had like two, two pages of feedback to give her, but I was like, look, you can read all of this, but I'll give you the most important thing. Um, you have to stop gossiping. Like you gossiping about what's happening in these, in these rooms is hurting the, the depth and the power that's being transmitted in the room. And she contacted me a few months later and she's like, I stopped gossiping. Like I just, I had to actually like draw a line with some, some of my girlfriends. And she's like, the rooms are dropping deeper than ever before. And I'm like, on an, on an unconscious level, people can feel this. And, you know, if you're pretending to be nice to them, but saying stuff about them somewhere else, it's like, that's, that's leaking out. And in some cultures, um, they would consider this a big, like, no, no, you know? Um, so like when, when, when I bring this back to the stage, it's like, it wasn't just preparing for a TEDx talk. It's like, I've been preparing for that talk for 10 years. And that talk was just preparation for the other talks to come after it. It's almost like a unbroken um, string in, in the line. It did take more, uh, maybe piercing through glass ceilings. There was, I, I never script my talks because it takes the life out of them. 
for this one, I did seriously consider, do I need to script this thing? And there was something Brene Brown said um, in approaching to do her talk on vulnerability, which if you haven't watched it, for anyone that hasn't watched it, it's one of the top three ever uh, by view count. And she said something like when she was driving to the talk with her husband or a few nights before, she goes to him, I'm going to have to be vulnerable in this talk. And he was like, what? No, don't do that. Why would you do that? And she's like, no, I have to. I can't just give another talk about vulnerability if I'm being vulnerable. And that was the piece for me. It's like if I'm going to be speaking about fear and about using fear as a, as a tool to get more in touch with our authentic self and our spirituality and, you know, you know, whatever you want to call that thing. You can call it God if you want. I can't be speaking about that and not following the very process that took me here. So there was a preparation. There was very clear things I was going to talk about. But it was also like, this is the feeling that has to be vibrating for me while I'm on stage. This is the feeling that um, people get the opportunity to soak up because that's really the transmission. It's not in the words. The words are just like a way to package this to be able to share it. I really love that. As you were um, speaking, and this is this has been my experience whenever I feel the truth come through when somebody's speaking is I, my whole body just covers in chills. So that was the experience I just had as you shared that. Thank you. Um, so you said something earlier about your Ted talk, not really being sort of like aligned with the, the trajectory of your, the following the next 10 years. Is that correct? Is that what I heard? Yeah. So it's it's aligned, but it's yeah. a smaller piece. Like I realized that I'm not here to, it's like I am and I'm not, I'm not here to teach people to get over their fear, but that's exactly what I'm doing. I just realized at some stage, I'm like, there's no need to call this thing fear. It's sensations. It's what happens when we get in touch with more of who we really are. Um, but my, my flavor of doing that is very much free speaking. And the, the highest expression of that looks like speaking from the stage, but really, you know, I've had people say to me, it's like, Marisol, I'd love to work with you, but I don't want to, I don't want to be on stages. And I was like, it's not about the stage. The stage is like a magnifying glass and it's like the medicine, which hones you to your voice, the way I relate to the change, the stage and the way I teach people. But I'm like, speaking is what you do every moment of your life. Every opportunity you've had in your life, whether it's sexual, relational, business, friendship, they've all come as a result of speaking or not speaking because you've been too afraid to say what you really want. I, w- I will admit, as I was like doing the intro for the podcast, I was like, oh, my God, am I saying this okay? I'm like about to speak to a professional about speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed a little uh, like self-doubt and self-judgment come through. Um, okay, so I want to share something vulnerable while we're on this topic, and that is this fear that I have when I'm communicating with people. Sometimes I think that I might be talking too much or going off tangent, and I know that there are people out there who can probably relate to this and have similar fears or similar um, kind of like self-doubt. What do you, how do you support people like us, including the listeners into this? Cause I, I know I'm not alone, but yeah. How do you support people that have these, these doubts? Like, I mean, without giving too much away, because obviously there's so much that people can experience in your in your workshops and in the programs that you have available? Mm. Uh, um, I, I can give it all away. It's like, just ask. I think that's the best way. And me saying to people, when you're, when you're in that space, just ask, that's one thing. Like you or someone else that's going through that, remembering to ask when you're in it is a completely different thing. It's like that needs a pattern interrupt on a deeper level. And it also means like, sometimes people also ask me, it's like, you've gone to one end, the other end of that same spectrum is like, I think I'm boring. 
and I don't want to say mm. too much because I don't want to bore bore people. I'm like, it's the same thing. Just just ask. Is this interesting to you guys? Do you want me to keep going? Should we change topics? And there's certain environments where you know it's like if you're giving a keynote, not as relevant. You people know the topics they've stepped into. Um, if it's more like you're just being brought in to facilitate something and there's not too much of a brief, it's like you can just ask. But I find like what that brings up on the vulnerability scale is that next level of like, oh, am I okay with people telling me that I'm boring them or that I'm not interesting or anything else? Um, is And even if I'm doing it now, it's like what I'm going to say to you is, is this relevant? You know, is, mm. is this helping you get closer to what you're asking? Yeah, I like that. So checking in and... Um engaging with the people that we're speaking to and um that's what I'm hearing anyway is just checking in and engaging and asking yeah and everything that you're saying does relate and feels very aligned with what I'm asking it's just like you know it's it's the, the like you said earlier I think it's the sensations and it's something that comes up when you're holding the floor in a conversation and for me as an example I'm just I'm using me as an example because I feel like it helps I've done this like yeah for me when I'm in conversation sometimes and I've got all the attention I'm like okay when I've got to finish talking now I can't hold this space I can't be like taking all this attention up because it's confronting Mm. and it's it's just my mind responding to the discomfort that sits in my body when all eyes are on me and just a dinner at my house with my housemates. It's not with anybody that is intimidating. It's people I live with who I love. Like, is that something that your clients experience as well? Yeah, I think that's normal. And, you know, I think the whole journey is one of, um, I think we could say calibrating the nervous system to be okay with that experience. And, you know, sometimes I say to people, I'm like, try actually getting on a stage though, because social dynamics, it's a different beast. Like no, on stage, you're not going to get cut off. And if you're there to speak for an hour, you can you can speak about anything you want for an hour. Like people might get bored, but it's like you're going to experience them getting bored as opposed to being in your head about it, you know? Like you're going to see people like dozing off or checking their phones or getting fidgety if, if you have the presence to see that. Like that's, we're getting into different levels of complexity. Um, my sense is you have done work with groups before. So speaking to you, it's going to be different than if I was speaking to someone that's never been on stage, like for them, just surviving the experience is a massive feat and you don't need an hour. It's like, let's just start with a few minutes. Um, Mm, I like that. So it's like, yeah, leaning into, I guess the limitations that we place on ourselves before we even do the thing, because we make it like, I guess we, speaking on stage is a huge thing, you know, like to, to do that for a few minutes for somebody who may not have done that before, it can be quite confronting. So, yeah, I really like how there's this sort of dance between not performing, but like speaking on stage, public speaking, and then how that translates into relationship and how we communicate in relationship. Mm, um yeah it's a skill communication is a skill being able to express ourselves is a skill I actually read a quote yesterday about um something around like instead of trying to understand try to be understanding Mm. and so when somebody's feeling the you know the I guess the stress of 
or whatever reaction that their body's having when somebody is picking up their phone and they are doing public speaking, how does somebody deal with that? Like, how do you, or if you're having a conversation in a social environment and someone's doing that, you know, they start checking their phone or they're, they're just checking out and they're looking elsewhere or they even just walk off. What, what advice do you have for people that might experience that? (laughs) It's a very broad question. Uh, I find like being transparent is usually a good way to go about it. It's like, Hey, I'd love to speak to you, but I know you keep checking your phone. Is something going on for you? And actually not assuming, just like asking them, you know, and maybe if they're that stressed, if they can't pay attention, like maybe it's worth talking about that stress first, as opposed to the thing I really want to talk about. And if I keep having this experience of someone, it's like, okay, well, obviously they're not valuing or they're not able to have the capacity of um, engagement that I'm yearning for here. Um, and then we get to make, you know, that can be a conversation and it can just be a, a different choice from there on. I think working with it on the stage is similar. Like you can ask for what you want and that can be scary to say to people, you know, uh, let's, let's all stay present and not pick up the phone from here on. And it's, it's tricky as well because someone could be taking a note about something you said because they thought it was great and you could be in your head going, they're not listening to me. Like, you know, we live in a very um, multilingual world right now. And, and, you know, it's depending on where someone was at, I would give different, uh, a different response here. Like if someone was obviously being rude and like sitting in a front row and playing on their phone, I would just ask them to leave. And it's like, it's actually nothing personal, but it's like, look, if, if you don't want to be here, this isn't interesting for you. You're most welcome to walk out. Mm. Yeah, I like that. What I really like is the transparency of like not making assumptions and really asking what's going on and what's happening and speaking into everything rather than sweeping it under the carpet and assuming. And that translates into relationships as well. Like when we're having those conversations, really love that. And so, yeah, I I feel like asking you about like what you were like before you learned the tools that you learned and know. Probably like yearning for genuine connection and very like judgmental about the world that uh, it's, it's weird putting this into words like you know a few decades later um, but I would probably just say I was really just yearning for connection and I didn't even know that and just like feeling the pain and the judgment of that towards other people like uh, I didn't have the awareness at this time to say this is because you know I don't have the confidence to ask for what I wanted to be who I want to be. So there was a lot of stuff that got pushed over there and it was very alienating because it's like the more, the more you push, the further away the world goes from you. So it's very lonely, very isolating. Um, I'd probably say very boring as well. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I was just on another podcast yesterday and he was asking me about my stuttering thing. And I was like, sometimes you hear these stories where people have come from and where they are now. And I used to stutter when, when I, for most of my youth up until, I, I don't know when it stopped, but meditation and whatever I started doing for my career, it weeded itself out. It happens very rarely in English now. But when I speak Serbian, I still stutter. So, wow. and even now that I just spent a couple of months back there and I was like, oh, I can feel it's working its way through my system. But it's like, I'm going through this whole experience again of being extremely socially anxious of breathing, of letting my body settle, of allowing myself to be weird because I need to do that just to, to calibrate myself before I can connect with someone else. 
And also watching that when I have a shared or mutual interest with someone, there's a lot less of that. Like when I, even in Serbia, when I can speak to someone about meditation or spirituality or like a real drive for life, um, I don't get in my head about it. So there's like a meeting and this, this for me comes back to relationship again. There's a meeting of being understood on a deeper level, which allows expression to happen more naturally. And when people are speaking on stage, I, I often say this, like it's one thing to speak on stage, but when you, when you're spoken on a few stages, you realize unless you're scripting your talks, different audiences are going to pull different juice out of you. And when you can fill one of your own rooms with people that want to come to see you and what you have to share and offer, like, it's radically different um, how juicy that talk can become because like they're hungry for what it is you're offering. And it's very different than just speaking on a stage with like, you know, random 50 people in there. Yeah. Wow. That's like, I love that because that's going back to the beginning of the conversation, talking about building a connection, building a relationship with or having a conversation with people it is that exchange and that mm. like flow of energy going back and forth. Even if it is a public speaking stage with a larger audience, there is that connection. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Because you can tell, like I notice with some people who speak public speakers, I'm just like, they're with them, you know, they've got me. And then others just don't feel like that. Like, you know, when, I don't know if you went to uni, but when I was at uni, did you go to uni? Mm. Yeah. When I was at uni, I was like, some of my lecturers were just so boring. And then some of them were just like, they were just like repeating information while others were like there Mm. embodied huge difference, telling stories, sharing their experience, sharing the information through story rather than just regurgitating information from a textbook. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that was that was a big pain point for me as well, how much of that um, I such we all had to sit through um, and how maybe rare the fully engaging ones were, you know. And I actually think a lot of it comes down to courage. Like I think it takes courage to teach in a way that's engaging. Tell me more about this. Uh, it's like we have to be okay with the vulnerability of our letting our passion and curiosity and you know our emotions our emotions on the topic come through now i don't know how this works if you're teaching maths like i that's beyond my scope but i def- i studied film and photography and you know in that same subject there was lecturers that bored me to death and i was like i'm i was angry at the fact that i had to sit for their like lectures and there was other ones where i remember this one guest lecturer we came in um I only saw him twice for that whole unit. I was like, I would go to these classes, even though he's not teaching classes for me. Like that's how engaging it was. And he's like, I remember once in third year, he came back, he was passing by as we were working on a project. We were building this big, like photographic installation. He was walking past and he saw it and he jumped in and yeah, they're all, they're all very busy people. And he was just so infused with it. Like he was down on all fours. He was looking at the little things. He was touching it. He was like a little child with it. And there's just wow. this feeling for me, like his capacity to be that open and engaged with life. Like that's, you know, a lot of him is on, on the sleeve, so to speak. Mm, yeah. I love that. So it's like, yeah, being open and engaged with life. Yeah. I really like that. There's like a receptivity about that and a recipro- recipro- can't even say it. reciprocity. 
yeah. Um, you know, and just that 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 fluid exchange. Yeah. Wow. I want and, to add in into this yeah, as well, though. Please. And I'll I'll bring it back to your question in a moment. It's like it's not about being a specific way, which I think is where people get lost. Like they watch Tony Robbins and then they're like, I need to be like Tony Robbins. And it's like, no, that's that's not authentic. It's authentic for Tony Robbins to be Tony Robbins and he should keep being Tony Robbins. But when someone else gets on stage and starts being Tony Robbins, for me, it's like it's cringeworthy. Yeah. It's like we're missing out on you because you have this idea in your head that this is the right way to do it. And like for me, there's two parts. One, it's knowing your own frequency or transmission or knowing who you, you are and letting more people into that. And the second part is allowing yourself to stretch that. So if you're someone like this lecturer that I mentioned, um, you know, him for him being expressed looks very easy. And usually if someone comes to me and they're very like, you know, extroverted in that sense, it's like, all right, we need to develop your capacity for stillness. Because if you can then take people into that level of expression and bring them into stillness, like when you're fully still inside yourself, that's amazing what happens on stage. And usually people that come more from like a still background and meditation or something, it's like they have the stillness down piece and they can, you know, entrance a room just with their silence. But it's like, all right, we need some storytelling here. We need like, we need you to come to life from that place. And usually whichever way you have to transverse, it's like, you're going to have to come across fear and vulnerability. I really like that because I have been on my journey. I, I remember back in 2020, I engaged with this woman and she was an online coach and I was like, I want to be like her. She's so captivating. She's so alluring and so hypnotic and so, you know, just engaging. She had a really great way of communicating on video, like just live streams on Facebook. And then I lost the sound of my own voice and I started to sound like her. And that's like, why am I doing this? Why am I behaving like this person? She has what I want, which is like the confidence and the courage to show up online consistently. Um, but yeah, the sound of my own voice was being lost and just distorted through wanting to mimic mm -hmm. her. And it is cringeworthy. Like I look back over the videos and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm wearing fake lashes. I'm like trying to dress like her. All the things that just weren't me. And I really like that you've made this point because I feel like truth is a resonance. Mm. And that's what's magnetic. And that's what's captivating. It's not having a particular personality or trying or trying to be like somebody it's the what's coming through mm. and I think it's okay you know to be I, I think all of it is okay I think it's okay to go into the cringeworthiness and be like all right I tried that on and that wasn't me and find like when that swings back it's like there's going to be certain bits you're going to carry on from that there will be a part of you but it's going to be your own version and flavor of it um and, you know, I think, I think essentially it's like it's this breathing of cultures that helps us create who we are as we, as we go along. Yeah. And there was something else that you said earlier about the spectrum and going like on the pendulum. So what would you say Tony Robbins is? Would you say that he's, he's coming from the stillness and now is being more expressive or like the other way around? No, I would say Tony is a lot more on the expressive side. Um, I mean, he's, he's done a lot of work in all domains, especially like if you watch some of his other stuff. Um, if 
if I was giving Tony feedback, my, my words would be something like, it's like he's lifting people from here up instead of from here up. And if you can't see this, like I'm pointing, it doesn't even matter where I'm pointing. It's like from the top third of the screen up. And it's like, we're lifting the energy from the place of the identity and who we think we are, as opposed to recognizing there's so much deeper we can go inside ourselves before we lift that energy. And from that point, like when you touch that depth, it's a question of, do we even need to pump the energy so hard? You know what I mean? Like that place is already bursting with aliveness when we touch it. And then if you want to lift it from there, you can. And this is probably one of my, um, one of my pieces with, it's like, I kind of want to take it out of Tony and make it a bit more general. Like we can only take people as deep or far as we've traveled ourselves. Mm. And like those upper echelons of being in like peak state and rushing and being with that, like Tony does that as well as anyone in the world. Like that's really mm. where he lives. Mm. Um, the problem is like for me being in Tony, Tony's room, I was like, this is engaging on a, on like a mind out level. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm having a good time. But when he's asking me to go into the exercises, it's like I'm pretending. And I'm pretending because mm. everyone else around me is doing and this is the normal thing to do. It's like I know my authenticity isn't in it. And that sense of how to drop from there to pull the authenticity through, like I feel that's there's something else there that could be cultivated in the way he's delivering, in my experience. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm, I'm fully hearing you on that. And it's... Oh. I can't remember who I was speaking to about that. No, I was speaking to, do you know Damien Bola? Mm. Yeah, I was speaking to him about this. It's not just Tony. It's some speakers, some coaches, some people have the ability to motivate, but it's not a sustainable energy burst. It's a very short-lived experience of like, oh, I feel really good. And then maybe 24 hours later, that energy drops. So what I'm hearing that you do is you're going deep with people and you're beginning or you're discovering what it is that's buried within them and bringing that forth and integrating that and embracing that and loving that and then creating a relationship with that part of ourselves rather than pushing it into the shadows or hiding it, Mm -hmm. allowing that to come through and be expressed because that's what's truly authentic and that's what's sustainable because when we can create an intimate relationship with ourselves, we can create an intimate relationship with others. Mm, It's beautiful, Samantha. It's really well languaged. You've got quite a gift for that, by the way. Wow, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take (laughs) that compliment. Well, that's what I'm hearing you say. I'm like, that's what I'm feeling you do and the experience that you you create with people which is amazing yeah Mm, yeah thank you thank you thank you for doing this it's incredible so um yeah you've got you've got a few things happening you've got I'm I'm so curious about like specifically what I'm I'm curious about is the people that you work with what what are they like? Where do they come from? What's their story? I know that that's a really broad question and I imagine that you have a huge spectrum of people, but I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. The spectrum is probably on one side, you have very established coaches and speakers that are kind of noticing whatever I'm doing that haven't been taught or shown before. And they've, they've learned like a, 
a mainframe way of doing it. And then here I'm coming along going, well, there's all this other possibility. I had one of them that actually um, just joined my program. He's like, Marissa, I've been doing this for 20 years. I haven't, even, like me, I have not been on stage for 20 years. You know, he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I can see whatever you're doing. Um, I, my intuition is just telling me I need to do it, even though logically it doesn't make sense. So that's like one end of the spectrum. In between that, you have coaches, facilitators, um, corporate trainers that are just looking to, to upskill and really kind of break out of their own paradigm and bring more, more presence, more engagement, create more sales from what they're doing. And then on the very entry level end of the spectrum, you have people that are just kind of looking to get comfortable. Like they're terrified of being on stage. And some of them know like their work is there. It's like they may have been coaches for a while and now they're like, All right, I want to take this to the next level and work with groups or start offering my work to groups. Because what I'll say just briefly with speaking is speaking is one of the most highly profitable skill sets you can have. And usually the less people there is willing to do something, the more, uh, the more money that thing generates because there's not as many people to do it. Now speaking, we kind of banter about this all the time. People say it's the scariest thing in the world. And then when you think about selling yourself on stage as a speaker, that kind of takes you into probably a, you know, a tiny percentage of people willing to do that. Not even willing. It's you, you need the willingness and then you have to kind of walk through the trenches over and over again through your own judgments to be like, all right, I'm, I'm prepared to keep letting my identity burn as, as I do this. So as a skill set, like it's, it's one of the most um, rewarding things you can have in your tool belt. But the journey to, to get there is, is, can be intense and it can also be fun. Like this is the other thing I keep saying is when, regardless of where you are on that spectrum, like whether you're just starting and you're like, okay, I just need to get comfortable with this or whether, you know, you're closing tens of thousands of dollars every time you're on stage. It's for me, there's a heartbeat underneath it where I'm relating to it as this is the spiritual path. Like the, the speaking is, is the way that my life path is moving through me. And I just have to keep showing up and being authentic with this and like listening to where it wants to turn and lead as well, as well as my own desires and intentions. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that, that there's words. <laughs> no, I appreciate what you're sharing. Um, and I'm hearing what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you're, you're taking people through a journey that's rel relative to what they need and need to experience and it's different for everybody is what I'm hearing mm. um yeah to have somebody who's been in the industry for 20 plus years coming to you for advice like that's that's huge you know like um or has been on sorry on stage for 20 years you were saying mm. and and yeah I feel like the relationship that we have with ourselves and the way that we choose to communicate is going to bring forth whatever like needs to come through when when people are engaging in what you have to share and offer yeah again mm. is that what you're saying am i hearing correctly yeah 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 it is yeah. and the, the the underlying piece is like can we be comfortable with where we are you know um like mm. yeah if your growing edge is to start offering your work from the stage, it's okay to, to feel the fear and to feel everything else that comes up with that. And it's just as valuable as the person that's first starting and even like putting their hand up to be the person that volunteers to go on stage is a terrifying experience. Yeah. Yep. I love this. There's a huge difference between self-acceptance and self-improvement. 
And so, yeah, with the self-improvement approach, which we're doing anyway, when we're working on ourselves, there's a huge element of accepting where we're at. Because if we don't, then we're just creating more shadow. We're pushing more of our... Yeah, I'm going to add like a second second level to it. It's like one level of is accepting where we're at. The second level is uh, accepting that there is no end to the growth. And... Like sometimes people think the fact they can get through a keynote, it's, it's like good, I'm, I'm an established speaker. And it's like, yeah, in one level you are. And that's like a glass ceiling. Like for me, the more I grow, the more this keeps opening to me. And it's so subtle. There was a man I was working with recently, also a very established keynote speaker. And I was like, oh, you need to make eye contact with your audience. So he's doing this thing that you can kind of call grazing or gazing where you just look over the top of the audience. I'm like, you're avoiding intimacy when you do that. Mm. and he was like oh you mean i should actually slow down and look at someone i'm like yeah try it and the moment he did it with me i was like you just became more of an authority in my eyes i was like i my experience of you connecting with me just made me feel like you can actually do this job as opposed to he's just an expert on stage and like that's one example but there's so so many variations of how we create blocks to intimacy when we're on stage one of them is scripting and just memorizing talks so we don't actually have to connect with people. But then some of them is very subtle. It's like, it's what you do with your eyes. With your eyes, you can push people away to not let them in. It's, it's the tension in your shoulders. Like if your shoulders are tense, you're going to create a barrier between yourself and the audience. And all of this is, it's not only that it's not conscious. It's like, we don't even have the language to speak about this when it comes to speaker training or facilitator training. Like the things we're talking about are having good body language. It's like, this isn't about good body language. It's recognizing that your body is speaking all the time. Mm. And can you be in relationship to what it is that's communicating between you and the audience? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nuanced. It's so nuanced. And I love that. Love the, the eye contact piece specifically because the, of course being intimacy coach is what I love. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend about this the other day and she was saying that like she struggles to make eye contact with men because she's fearful of what that, you know, what that obliges within her. Like then she feels obligated to, you know, if she feels like they want something. And I know this is maybe not relative to like what relevant to what you do in terms of like what you're teaching, but it's like I feel like it's people like her that would even benefit from working with somebody like you to learn the art of communicating in a way that is intimate and where you can step into the discomfort of making eye contact with somebody and leaning into that. Oh, what's the word? It's just like, it's vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes for people. Mm, completely. And yeah. I've said to my students, I'm like, realize when, as you begin to open yourself on stage in this way, you might create experiences for people where they're having more intimacy with you on stage than they've had with people, you know, that that they might have with their intimates, you know, like some people in their relationships they don't even touch and you might let them in beyond even like what, what they're used to experiencing. So it can be a deeply like touching and nourishing experience for them. Yeah. Wow. I just had like a visualization of somebody that you might be teaching, speaking on stage and emanating this golden sort of glowing light orb or I don't even know, and just like penetrating 
the audience, the crowd, whoever, big or small, just with this love in a way, just like, I don't know if that's a bit like hippie-dippie, but like <laughs> just with love because the presence that translates and, and as comes through the transmission of speaking what's truly authentic, like that feels so loving and so, yeah, and so kind and so just, yeah, beautiful. Presence, presence is a really big one, I mm. think. Yeah, because, you know, as, as a speaker, you can sit there and talk and talk and be thinking about something completely, something totally irrelevant, right? Do you have that? Do you have you ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, and, and presence has multiple shades as well. It's like I've been around great spirituality teachers that sit in presence, but it's almost like they're in presence, but there's very little awareness of the audience. Like the presence is like, it's deep, like it's deeply present. And I just drop into the presence too, but there's not this sense of like, um, what does the room need? It's like, this is presence. And this is what I'm saying right now. You know, uh, it, it's, it's very nuanced. Like I, I take yeah. people some of these things, but I wanted to just bring it back to one thing you said earlier. Um, when I first got with Vic, Oh, yeah. so I've obviously been doing this work for a while and Vic is a sexuality coach amidst other things. She was. Um, we we were having these experiences where, and this is going to tie, tie a lot of this together, where in the bedroom, she was like, Miroslav, you need to bring this onto the stage. Like this part of me you're showing, it's yes. coming through in the bedroom. She's like, this is what you need to take to the stage. And that's terrifying. It's like, you know, we're going into places of like erotic innocence and just what happens when eros can move through your body mm. and you don't have your walls up anymore because you so deeply trust and love this person. And then what it means to allow that part of you to be seen on a stage with strangers. And I'm not recommending this for anyone really. Um, but I feel it is like when you take the layers of sexuality out of it and you just go to what we're connecting to, which is that innocence, childlike innocence, what it means when you can let yourself be seen in that by other people. And on stage, you don't have the the safety of the adrenaline or your beloved or any, any of that other stuff. It's like, can I just let people into this part of me and can I let this part of me out to be seen? And I feel this such a like nourishing, loving experience that can go from there. And I think that's something to walk work towards. It's not like, okay, I've got this piece now. Now great. But this is for me where the stage becomes quite a healing experience. It's like, as we allow people in further and more of ourselves out further, it's going to touch parts that haven't been touched. I feel like crying. <laughs> I know what you're speaking into and it's so beautiful and it's, it's, it's a, it's like the energy and the frequency of the innocence that comes through when you're deeply involved with somebody intimately like that and that in itself is a journey, you know, like that in mm. itself isn't what a lot of people get to experience in the bedroom with their partners. They don't get to experience that level of vulnerability and hold that eye gaze and really drop into the depths of um, their, their, their bodies and the presence, but it's a different kind of presence, like you were saying, but like tying it back to what you said at the beginning of this, of this talk, this conversation is that you can only meet people as deep as they've met themselves mm -hmm. and so yeah that visualization I had of this like golden light whatever it was just like gooey 
aura spreading into a crowd like it's that that's a visual I have of what you've just broken into that erotic innocence that energy the life force it's life Mm, force you know it's creation itself it's yeah and there's, there's the layer here it's like can we allow that part to to come forth regardless of what we're talking about you know what I mean like can you give your keynote about any presentation but allow that level of innocence to be present with you it's like your humanist can you let that much of your innocence and your humanist be there when you present and that's you know that's a, a life's work and I think that's really my passion with all of this it's like it's not about it's not just about the things you're saying it's about how much of yourself you're bringing you're willing to bring to the stage oh yeah how much of yourself do you want to be seen Hmm. I want to share because that in itself as well is like such a vulnerable space to be seen in you know whatever you're experiencing in the bedroom with Vic is going to be different to whatever anybody else experiences in the bedroom but like to be seen in that by more than you know people that are not in your intimate relationship that's huge Hmm. that is Hmm. vulnerable yeah, and I think it's um, it's also like what we're yearning for, you know, like, again, to take the sexuality out of it. It's like we oh. want to be in that innocence and curiosity and have that kind of openness with life. I'm hearing you on that. And I don't think a lot of people know and I don't want to project or judge or generalize, but I'm totally going to do all those things. Um, I don't think a lot of people know the the beauty and the power and the magic of that energy that is not anchored in sexuality. Mm. and what that difference is because there's a huge difference huge difference and mm. I think because we lack I mean I think this is a this is a rabbit hole what I'm about to say <laughs> a conversation but because of the lack of education the shame the taboo the you know all of those things that limit us from exploring this unless we choose this path which you have I have Victoria has other people have who you might work with that I work with all the things unless we choose this path a lot of people don't actually know what's available to them Mm. Mm. yeah Yeah, you know these are just words and concepts like for me on one hand sexuality has nothing to do with sex and I'm like I can say those words but until you take the journey yourself it's not going to mean anything and some of you that have taken the journey you're like yeah I get it but it's like it's like we don't have a relationship to the thing until we've until we've been in it yeah, that's exactly it. Wow, that's really deep. So to be able to bring people in from, like I understand now what you do in a really intimate way. And I understand that what I'm hearing is what you do is you meet people where they're at. So, for example, this person who has been working however long they have doing the public speaking and they're the next layer, the next nuance is making eye contact. That's an edge mm. for them. And so you're meeting them where they're at, or it might be meeting somebody where they're at in the sense of they've never spoken publicly before, so they need to jump on stage for two or three minutes and that's their medicine. How epic. Yeah, and, and look, sometimes, Sam, like this stuff has been very esoteric. Like I've had people stand up and it's like the message that you bring through it's like turn around and, and have a look and they'll turn around and they'll start weeping. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm just seeing my ancestors behind me. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, if you're going to bring this message through, you need to have a relationship with them. And the idea of me telling them like, this is the next kind of speaking thing you need. It's like, it's not relevant. 
it's it's like to bring through the message we need to bring through we're cultivating a deeper relationship with ourselves and that self is not just like the individual self that's like you know the environment the audience um the inner world ancestors it's it's all of these pieces wow i cannot tell you like i feel like <laughs> like happy tears because you're speaking so much truth and it's like hitting me in places that uh just sending like having full body chills truth bumps i call them you know when the truth penetrates you and you just feel it and it lands in the body like that's what i'm feeling and it's moving me it's moving me in a really beautiful way because what you're speaking into is like it's a knowing it's a knowing that i've experienced but it's not it just resonates in such a deep way yeah do you know the title of my book no but you're about to tell me i want to hear it it's called give them goosebumps (laughs) (laughs) you've done that that many times you're good (laughs) you're a professional (laughs) that's so good how can we get your book um, it's available on Amazon. Well, actually, for anyone that if you live in Melbourne or Gold Coast, or if you live anywhere in Australia, just come to one of those two locations. I'm doing a tour in mid-November, 19th and 26th, I think. Anyway, you can find the details. Um, but as part of the ticket, you get a copy of the book as well. But otherwise, it's available on Amazon too. Cool. I love that. That's epic. Yeah, amazing. And so if people want to like contact you to get in touch with building intimate relationships when they're speaking, whether it's publicly or any other way, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'll gonna lead to that in a second, but I was gonna say intimate relationships in speaking, like speakers don't really think to themselves, I want to have an intimate relationship with my audience. They think I want to have impacts. They think I want to make sales. They think I want to get this idea to be heard. And all of that comes through relationships. Like if people can't feel what you're saying, we know emotion is, is what moves all of this. Like basic mm. sales psychology is you have to have people feel differently about it. And the old school sales psychology is like you'd be really excited when you're selling something to try and push that excitement onto someone so they buy. And sometimes in the speaking world, that kind of stuff is still going on, you know, people jumping up and high-fiving each other to get into into those states. Um, so anyway, to bring it back to my point, um, like the, the intimacy is what's happening underneath, what's happening on the surface level is like more of a passing of ideas and more, more authenticity. I'll just be people being more, more real in who they are so they can be trusted for who they're being. Um, as for connecting with me, so my work in training speakers is the Enlivened Speaking Institute. The website is enlivenedspeakinginstitute.com. Me as a speaker, you can find me on miroslavp.com. Um, I'm available on most of the social media things. Some of them I don't use actively, but mostly LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. There is someone there if you send us a message. And the Ignite tour, you can find details on Eventbrite. might be the easiest place to send you. Amazing. And I will include all of those little links and handles in the bio for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining me on this incredible, incredible journey into what you do. I feel like I know you better. I understand what you do better. And I'm excited to come to Ignite. That's going to be incredible. Um, Yeah. And thank you for doing this work and supporting people and finding their voice and expressing their authenticity 
it's amazing. Mm, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening.